back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a bit of a casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who will take you a little in more, more in-depth there. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the Texas Rattlesnake, Sheena Smith, who gives that more casual perspective. Hey, Sheena, what's up? Hey, Chad, not much. Happy Mother's Day. We're recording on Sunday. So to any of the mothers who listen, I hope you've had a wonderful day. Happy Mother's Day to you as well, Sheena. And uh, the Texas Rattlesnake, do you know who that is? I have no idea. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I could have just said Stone Cold, I guess. Stone Cold Sheena Smith. Wow. Is he from Texas? Yeah, I suppose so. They call him the Texas Rattlesnake. I just associate him with like the 316. Yeah, that's right. Austin 316 says he just whipped whipped your booty over there. All right. So on today's show, (laughs) we're going to talk about Sporting Kansas City crushing Minnesota United. We also have to talk about that loss that they had in the U.S. Open Cup. Ownership kind of sort of responded to some concerns, but not really. And there's a rumor now that Alan Polito may get sold. We'll talk KC Current versus the San Diego Wave. And of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But Sheena, I just need to start with some nonsense. I am okay. exhausted. We have been tearing apart our closet in our, our bedroom. And we did demo, which uh, if y'all have met me or if you've seen me, you could just like, I'm not made to do <laughs> physical labor, but I did it. I demoed it. We spackled, we, we've uh, sanded, we're in the process of painting. It's happening. Things are, we things are going down, but I'm physically exhausted. closet up. Don't forget that. I mean, I, I said guess demo. That's, that's demo. the demo. Yeah, that's what demo true. is. Demo okay, day. But- <laughs> you well, know, Chip, if- Chip Gaines, demo day. I know if you're not equipped to be doing like labor work, I definitely am not. I've struggled with every single thing we've done so far. Yeah, Sheena's like, take a video of me breaking this shelf apart. And then she just hits it over and over with the hammer and it doesn't move. (laughs) I posted it to Instagram and someone's like, you should have used a sledgehammer instead of a hammer. Yeah, but you Whatever. you're too you're too weak to lift up a sledgehammer, so I didn't want to put Probably. that in on you. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get it I high felt, enough. I felt hardcore. I used a electric sander today for the first time. Hardcore, okay. Yeah, and yeah, breaking stuff, and I got to kick something in with my um, kick something down with my legs. So yeah, I felt pretty hardcore. I feel a little bit stronger than I did Friday morning. If you say so, but yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a fun mother's day weekend for you, right? All kind of construction yeah. projects. I went to Harbor Freight on my own for the first time. I had only been there one time ever, and this was my second time. So that was a pretty crazy Mother's Day morning for me. Yeah, I was covered in uh, <laughs> dust from all the sanding. And I was like, do you want me to clean up or do you just want to go? So she looks so mad at me, but she <laughs> went because I was a mess. Like I was covered like head to toe in dust pretty much. So good hey, times, one, good times. One last thing. We learned that when Chad gets silver hair, he'll be a silver fox. Yeah, it did look pretty good. All my hair being covered <laughs> in that white dust. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's talk soccer. People aren't here okay. to listen to us talk nonsense. So <laughs> Sporting Kansas City played Minnesota United on Saturday night. Three to nothing, they defeated Minnesota. It was very satisfying. After the second goal, literally seconds before Sporting gave up a penalty kick, I tweeted out something to the effect of, this is the team that I thought we were getting in 2023. They looked so 
so good. They're scoring on set pieces. They're scoring tricky little goals off backheeled passes. Like, oh, it was just a delight. What were your takeaways or initial thoughts from Saturday? So it was a really good game. It was actually fun to watch Sporting Kansas City. It's been so long, really, since we've seen good soccer. I mean, we had the Seattle game, which was fun. I kind of thought that might be a fluke. So the fact that we came in and we won again at home was really satisfying, especially given the loss we had in the Open Cup on Wednesday. So seeing a a good team come together was really exciting. And I just, for me, I think the player who did the best on the field last night, I thought it was Rosero. Who was it for you? Oh, interesting. I hadn't really thought about who was the best. I think it's definitely one of those team efforts. Shallowy has to get a little bit of a shout, right? He had the assist sure. on the opening goal. He had the second goal. But yeah, I mean, they just played so well. It's it's a team effort out there, right? The team is the star and you had players all over the place doing well. Rosero getting that goal was nice. At one point, I was like, man, what do we have? Like six different guys on one goal this season before Shallowy got a second. So it was quite a race for the golden boot. Anybody can win that thing still for sporting when yeah. Shallowy's now in the lead with two so yeah it was a team effort for sure I just there was something a little extra special I thought about Rosera last night I thought Fontes if there was going to be a weak link he was the weak link he had a few giveaways towards the end of the game and he was just slow but he didn't make any crucial mistakes either but yeah it was a really fun game to watch I'm glad it happened at home it was so nice after the game to see Johnny Russell smile because the last time they were at home that's when he said that that famous quote of I don't know like where we went wrong or how to fix it or whatever he said so um, it went from like the last home game he was borderline looking like he was gonna cry to all smiles and I don't just really warm my heart I was I was really happy last night for them it's a game that I think they it seems like all along like Peter Vermees knew this is the team they were the players knew it the fans weren't seeing it so the fact that it's starting to finally come together is just really cool to see i just hope it's not too late for sporting um and like the playoff picture yeah i saw a stat that that they need to get something like 1.6 points per game down the stretch down the stretch for the last what two-thirds of the season to be able to make the playoffs which isn't unheard of it's just a little bit better than winning every other game that's still a lot of winning though so not going to be a lot of room for for draws but you sneak a few draws in there you could win a little bit less and maybe it'll all shake itself out but they're going to have to stay pretty sharp to be able to pull that off you said a couple other things that i wanted to highlight though you said you liked how russell was you know he looked so happy out there and i heard now i wasn't at the game i heard that it was very jovial in the locker room afterwards. Uh, we were here because we're doing, you know, home construction projects. So we just couldn't justify shutting it all down to go to that. And we had uh, one of my cousin's kids was graduating from high school. So we were participating in that as well. It was a been a busy weekend and still more busyness to come. But maybe... Yeah. Maybe I should stop going to home games because all those other home games I went to, uh, we, there was a draw and a bunch of losses. So <laughs> this looked like a much so. different team. Yeah, you think so? Don't go anymore? Stop yeah. supporting? 
Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about that, but probably not. But you asked me who I thought was maybe the best player. I have a maybe an underrated shout here, and that was Nemanja Radoya. Uh, he is the defensive midfielder. He came in. It allowed Remy Voltaire to play further up the field. And after the game, we did get to talk to Peter. I still got on the press conference virtually. And we were listening to his answers, and he was talking about how well he played. He said, he wasn't good. This is a quote. He wasn't good. He was excellent. His positioning was tremendous. He had a really good bite on winning the ball. He's physical and challenged. He's something we haven't had in there in a long time. And he went on to kind of compare him to the, the physicality of Sony Mustavar. Remember Sony Mustavar? How physical he'd play that spot? You're, you're cringing. You sort of um, remember. That's not too far back. You, you, you were no, watching. I mean, I definitely remember the name. I'm, I think he had like his haircut. Obviously, that's how he I had some players. hair. Okay. Good job. Yeah. yeah. It was like, <laughs> he wasn't bald. Okay. Yeah. He yeah, did have like spike. Like, yeah. Like a, like a, fro- like a, like a Will Smith Fresh Prince. Little thing yeah, going on, maybe a like, little bit. Like people can, can't see you, Sheena. You're doing hand gestures. This is an audio <laughs> I medium. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying to do it for you. Like you could mow the top of his head. It was like very, like, <laughs> like flat across the top. Flat, yeah. You could, you could mow it. That's how you. Can, that's the analogy. <laughs> okay. I also think that Polito's hair reminds me of grass, like wet grass or something. I don't know. I've been trying to figure out his hairstyle. For the it's last better, couple it's weeks. better than the blonde hair, I would say, in my opinion. Yeah, but it reminds me of like wet grass or something. I don't know. Well, anyways, back to Radoya. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try to talk about you derailed us as you do. And it just he's that he's that steadiness out there. He was very calm. He would cover when Fontas or Rosero would get out of position. He would drop in there. And remember before the season, Peter said he could play center back as well. He's a little bit taller, so I think it helped to have an extra tall guy in the box on set pieces because I think I don't know who which announcer it was that was saying it but they were talking about how sporting they're creating all kinds of corner kicks but they haven't scored on a corner all season then boom immediately afterwards shallowy delivers one Rosero heads it in and I think having an extra target in the box could be very helpful because if you go back and watch the play again Fontes kind of peels off towards the front post Rosero settles in the middle and Rodoya is heading more towards the back post so it's making them having to account for all these taller players but not just that he was physical out there, like getting into plays. And that's after he played 90 minutes on Wednesday, too. I really thought we wouldn't see him again or we would only see him maybe off the bench. But I think the ideal lineup going forward has Radoya at defensive midfielder. And I think we thought that going into the season. So let's just hope he can stay healthy. There's two more games this week. So it's a lot of soccer to be played. But this team is very dependent on there being a good defensive midfielder. And gosh, maybe they finally got one. No offense to Remy. It's just I think Remy is just playing out of position. He was hustling. He's doing a good job, but he's just not doing what this team needs from that spot. I also liked Remy being more forward because he had he was part of that second goal, I believe it was, yeah. And he had that little kickback to was it Shallowy, right? Yes, he had that back heel to Shallowy. Yeah. Uh, Polito had kind of done that turn in the midfield and beat his man and dribbled at the attack, played the ball to Remy, who if you see in the play, Remy starts behind Polito. He's running so hard, he runs past Polito, and then he slips the little ball to him, but then instead of him taking a bad shot, which is what this team has mostly done all season, right? Because he's getting himself kind of at a tight angle and the defender's near him. Clever little back heel, and then Shallowy lays it into the side netting across the goal, and Shallowy's calling for the ball the whole time. He's like, put it at my feet, put it at my feet. If you go back and watch the replay and watch him off the ball, he's looking for it, and and oh, just 
beautifully executed by those guys. Yeah, I like Remy up there because he's so fast. You really could see yesterday him just running up the field several times, getting in the box. Not that he necessarily got the ball, but he was there, which is, I think, something they've been lacking, where there's been so many times this season where one player has the ball, but there's nobody chasing with whoever to get the ball because they're so tired or just slow. So I thought Remy was doing fine where he was at in the midfield. But I think seeing him in the position he's used to playing in or where maybe you'd say he's best at is going to be really exciting to see as well. Yeah. And he's still in the midfield. He's just further up the midfield. Well, not, yeah. I, not further back. Yeah. He's not playing defensive midfielder. Yeah. Okay. That's I, where my casualness comes in that right. I don't know how to def- <laughs> differentiated it's like he's more in the attacking now where it's before true. he was more in the defense so that's I fair no yeah but i liked remy there i thought he played well i mean like you said it was a team effort everyone played well i think and... you make a really good point about those runs though because when you said he's really fast i don't know if he's even fast but he just doesn't seem to he's get quick. tired yeah. he's just he puts a lot of effort in he's he's going the whole time and he makes those late runs into the box too where it's like if you have extra runs there's guys to clean up loose balls there's guys to lay the ball off to if you are up there on the attack you have other players helping you you're right it was a lot of times where like one guy or maybe two guys and it's one guy trying to cross in between multiple defenders and they they avoided doing the endless crosses something they forgot about on wednesday when their backups were playing so many crosses and uh, it's the same thing in seattle they didn't do endless crosses it's quick little passes and runs and and you, you do have to make a lot of runs where you don't get the ball but you got to keep making those runs and Remy's good at that Shallowy is good at that they they put those hustle plays in and then if you keep doing it eventually someone will play you the ball and you're going to get into a, a a good area to make a good play so I want to kind of talk through all three goals you talked through the second goal already there the first goal was that header it was off the corner so I actually we already kind of talked through the, the run on that but then the third goal which brings up an interesting thing about the midfield it was pretty late in the game Gotti Kinda had subbed on and it was another sequence of passing, right? It was like Polito to Tommy, Tommy to Russell, and then Russell lays this little slipped ball into Gotti Kinda, who chips it over the keeper. Delightful little goal. And again, another team effort. And and now this team has a, a good problem on their hands. They have Remy, Tommy, and Kinda all playing in the exact same spot. You can really only play two of them at a time, unless in this case they had subbed like Radoya off and dropped Remy deeper. But I think that was just a, a nature of Radoya not being 90 minutes fit yet having just played on Wednesday. I don't know if we'll be seeing that all the time or if that's more just a byproduct of the, the fitness. But that goal, it was real slick. And I could see Kinda doing that a lot late in games. Or if maybe Tommy needs a rest, Kinda starts and then Tommy comes on late in the game and runs at a tired defense. Imagine having one of those two off the bench every game because Remy doesn't need to rest. That that man can play all the minutes. The fact he can run so much, like what is he doing that's so much different than everyone else? Because like Polito and Russell and Tommy, like towards the end of the game, there was a lot of players. I was like, oh my gosh, make subs already because they were so gassed and Remy's just running like he had just got onto the field. So I'm just always so impressed with how 
how much running he does. But yeah, that goal by Kendo was really sweet. And I was saying like they need to get another goal. Like they have a lot of goals they need to make up for being so bad earlier this season. So you were okay with it. I mean, I know you wanted more goals, but you're like, hey, winning with two goals feels good. But like I wanted more. And yeah. I think right when I said that within a few minutes, that's when they got the third. Scored. Yeah, I was saying if they could just hold on, two nothing would be a good win because we were talking about the second half was so slow. Yeah, Minnesota, they it's like they didn't realize they needed to score two goals to make up this game. Like they were playing so slow and they're moving the ball around the back and not not making very dangerous runs. They had a moment or two later in the game. I remember Kendall McIntosh who had had to sub in for Amelia who picked up some sort of injury, hip injury maybe. Uh, he took one off the face to save a goal. Yeah, yeah that, that, I know why you laughed when I said hip injury because uh, Sheena read to me and we won't get the exact tweet right. But Mike Kuhn, my colleague over at the KC Soccer Journal said something about there's something ironic about Amelia going off with a hip injury and he's like the one of the oldest guys on the team. So the way he he worded it down by the the downline. What's his Twitter D- down the byline is his Twitter. Da- name. Yeah, he said something like there's just something poetically ironic about the oldest man on the field or on the team coming off the field with a hip injury. And like that really got me for some reason, but I could tell cause you just laughed <laughs> randomly when I said hip injury. Again, I, know. So. I know. I hope he's okay though. I, ho- I was really sad that he had to come off the field like, and he tried to play through the injury, but it honestly made me so nervous because every time he moved, I was like, he's either going to accidentally give up a goal or just further injure himself. So I hope he's okay. I hope it's a situation where maybe it's just tight and, you know, the sports people can untighten it this week. I don't know medical <laughs> this, terminology. Yeah, that, that's the technical term, y'all. The sports people can untighten it this week. <laughs> Sheena. Oh uh, yeah, I, I did ask Peter after the game, uh, but he had no update on Amelia. So we don't know what the ailment is or what the prognosis is. Nothing like that. Because as you saw, he went straight to the locker room with the trainer afterwards. So yeah, hope the he's trainer, okay. That would be the word I was looking for instead of sports Yeah, trainer person. or I don't know, like a phys- a the physio, physical- you know. That other thing I was going to say is I would have been so pissed off if I was a Minnesota fan because they were not, they had no sense of urgency, which honestly reminded me of sporting a few weeks ago. It's like, I don't know if, if Minnesota is on a downward spiral and they just felt defeated and they couldn't keep going or kept, like couldn't press. Like, but it, it definitely reminded me of how sporting was just a few short games ago before the Seattle game where it's just like they're defeated. And so I, I felt for their fans because we've been there. Had, yeah, we've been there and Minnesota was not trying very hard. And then especially once that third goal, like they had already felt like they were giving up, but that felt like an official give up after that third goal. Yeah, it's pretty demoralizing when they never really felt like they were going to get that first goal, but to be down by three, it's pretty doomed. Now we were talking Amelia. I want to go back to him for a second. So Amelia obviously had a penalty kick that he both gave up and then later saved in the game. Now that was a great save. Watching it live, 
I kind of thought he got the ball. Did you think he got the ball? Like the ref pointed straight to the spot though. Yeah, I thought he had the ball, but I don't know. It also was hard to tell because they kind of got intertwined. Him and the player kind of got intertwined. So maybe he did. I'm guessing he didn't actually have the ball upon yeah. replay. Kind of a, I'm a little annoyed with Apple on this as we've been complaining about Paramount Plus and for the NWSL games doing this as well, where they weren't really showing a replay of the foul like or the supposed foul. They showed like one or two quick little replays, but they never went to slow-mo and it's so bad bang, bang fast that I was like, how could the ref have even seen that? Because I thought maybe the attacker touches the ball away and then Melia gets him and then the ball versus the ball and then him, which they kind of let goalkeepers get away with. If you get the ball and then you take out the guy, they'll let that slide versus like if another player does that, you might get called for a foul. But in the box, the goalkeepers, you know, they're kind of protected. So it didn't matter. Obviously, he came up with a save. It was a poorly taken penalty kick. It was right down the middle. It wasn't hit very hard. And it was taken by the person that had been fouled, which is kind of unique. It does seem that often the person who is fouled doesn't end up taking the kick. And we haven't seen Melia save a penalty kick in a while. So it was nice to see that. Let's just hope he's okay. Any other thoughts yeah. about that? Because I have another goalkeeper question for you, Sheena. Oh, that's interesting. I bet we have the same goalkeeper question. Okay, well, you ask me, and then we'll see if we were both thinking the same thing. Yeah, so next week, or maybe even Wednesday, we have another game. But for the next game, if Tim Milia isn't able to play due to an injury, who would you rather see, Pulsecamp or McIntosh? So I am good kind of either way. I think McIntosh is a good goalkeeper. And I thought it was interesting that he was on the bench and not Pulsecamp. People were like, oh, yeah. it's just because Pulsecamp's going to start in the SKC2 game on Sunday, which we're recording this before that's happened, so we don't know. But I suspect that's true. But that game's in Lawrence. He could have sat the bench and then rode the bus to Lawrence tomorrow, it had been fine. I would not be surprised at all to see other guys that were on the bench in this game that didn't play, like your Cam Dukes, show up and play for SKC too. So it was it was odd to me, and I kind of wonder, is Pools Camp a little bit in the doghouse? We'll talk about the Houston game in a bit. He gave up a goal in that game. I'm not sure how much of it was his fault, but he's he's been okay. I thought he was pretty good earlier in the year. He's had some moments, but he's also a young kid still. He's, what, like 22 years old or something. So he's got a long way to go. But I kind of think it might end up being McIntosh if Melia can't go. I have a question. So if, let's say Cam Duke, because he was on the bench. So let's say Cam Duke had came into the game last night. He could then go tomorrow, today and play in the SKC2 game. Like you can play back to back in different level. Yeah, I, it's it's pretty loose in terms of how you can move from the first team to the second team now, because the second team is in MLS Next Pro, which is a league that's, you know, it's owned by MLS. It's the third tier of American soccer. But even when it was the USL championship before, when it was Swope Park Rangers and SKC2 for a while, there would be guys that would come in for a little five-minute cameo and then still start the next day in the other game. It just okay. tends to be when they're in the same place. That's something that they've done a little weird this year versus last year. The two-team, like with playing Minnesota, they would usually play Minnesota the next day, you know, like oh, Minnesota United yeah. 2. And there hasn't been a lot of that. So like on the road games, they haven't been able to play against the two team of whoever they're playing, like they're going to LAFC this week. It'd be nice if they could play LAFC two at the same time, but it hasn't played out that way, at least not consistently. I'm not sure what that's about, if it's just, you know, stadium availability, scheduling, you know, who knows? It's probably incredibly yeah. complicated to put a schedule together, but I thought that was a little odd. But yes, they yeah, can play to is... answer your question. Okay. So it does seem like because Pulse Camp started 
um, before Milia got ready or was able to play this season. He started as the goalie. And then the minute he had a bad game, they replaced Milia. And then he had a bad game in the open. I wouldn't even say it was a a bad game in the open cup because, yeah, that goal maybe wasn't his fault necessarily. So, yeah, because McIntosh didn't give up any goals, I think it would be McIntosh as the starter again, even though I really like Pools Camp and it's nothing against McIntosh. I just have grown to really like Pools Camp and to me, he's the future. So I feel like he should be the one getting the starts, but maybe PV sees it different and he thinks McIntosh is the future or he's leaning to towards that way i don't know well i think Melia is maybe something like 36 years old i can't remember off the top of my head mcintosh is 29 so he's not young necessarily but you you got to have at least three goalkeepers on a roster so Melia, this could be his last year or maybe next year could be his last year you know he's getting older he's not going to play forever and yeah. maybe they're they're grooming mcintosh to say hey it's going to be an open competition between you and john and whoever the third keeper ends up being it might be another kid they got yeah. a lot of t- talented young guys that are kind of coming up through the academy and playing with SKC2 and whatnot. So we'll see. But I think McIntosh has a a chance to get it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Hopefully, Milia will be better and we won't have to see if it's McIntosh or Pools Camp. All right. So let's talk post-game for Sporting KC after the Minnesota win. So two things. First off, I saw several reports. I didn't hear or see it because we weren't there that Vermees went into the members club, into the Budweiser brew house over there. I saw it. Oh, you saw, saw it online? On, I saw okay. it. It's on Reddit. I didn't watch the whole thing, but yeah, you can see him in the brew house. It's in, the, I showed you the Daniel Shallowy one, and it's in, the, I think, the same spot Daniel Shallowy was Yeah, at. it's it's where we would go up the stairs to go sit in the cauldron yeah. when we were in that section. That's where they're always at. Okay, so you watched it then. What did you, or from the portion you watched, what did you see? Yeah, so I heard some booze, and then he started to talk, and I believe he was saying, it was kind of hard to hear but I think he was I think he was okay with the booze and he understood why the fans were upset but yeah I found it interesting he went and talked to them but I also think like I don't want to say brave because that is definitely not the right word but I think it it showed something that he went and talked to them despite the fact he knows a lot of people want him out and if he wasn't aware before I think he is definitely aware of it now I think it's been brought up in several different questions maybe that I think he's aware i made him aware remember when i after that post game when they were chanting vermis out and i told him they were chanting vermis out and he claimed not to have heard it so yeah i think he's at least gone back and listened to it by now if he you'd have to sure yeah so i i think it it's i don't know the word i want to use because i can't think of words today clearly but yeah, I found it interesting that he went and talked with them, despite the fact a lot of people want him out as the head coach. Yeah, what did I think you it sh- think? I think it shows character, right? Because sure. it would it'd be a hard environment to go into. And I was actually saying to you, I don't know if you remember this, while the game was going, I go, I wonder when he's going to go into the member section and say that. talk to them. Because when they'd win, he'd go in there and he'd get them fired up and they'd cheer and whatnot. But then, you know, they haven't done that all year. So... I don't have the exact quote, but Mike Kuhn, uh, who we referenced earlier, oh, Mikeopedia, man, he just has all, all the information. He's hilarious. I like him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Mike said, and this is a paraphrase, he said basically that you can be upset with me 
but don't stop supporting this club was his paraphrase of what Peter had said. So I think that's pretty cool. He, he called it uh, an impassioned or a, a passionate speech, a very passionate speech. So I think that's good. I think that shows something. And yeah, people, it's only two wins. They're still really bad. I mean, they're still way down at the bottom of the standing. Yeah. So it's not like hey, we're they're not off the hook. Last. We're not last. Is that is that factually accurate information? Well, as of last night when that game ended, I don't know if LA Galaxy has played or what their outcome was, but <laughs> yeah. The, I- other, the other thing I was going to say is that it, well, first of all, I didn't know what the members area was when oh, you were boy. saying, Sheena. yeah, I you're know. a member of the cauldron. You, you go I through know. the members area. <laughs> okay. Like. I was thinking, no, I was thinking you said the diamond club or something. I was thinking oh, it was I that inside like rich area where like the rich people go and I was like that's a weird you would be wondering when he's going to talk to the rich like <laughs> season ticket members I don't know but the other thing is that a lot of maybe it wasn't too hard for him to go into the cauldron because if you remember at the last home game there was people in the cauldron who didn't want other cauldron members to be saying Vermees out and one guy that's like true. fell so I mean who knows who knows how all the members of the cauldron feel. I think there's still a lot who stand behind him and still want him as the coach. So yeah. maybe it wasn't in my head. It feels like you'd be going into like enemy zone and it'd be really awkward, but maybe it wasn't that bad. And it's always easier to go into a situation when you've just won the game and give given a speech. It would have been even more scandalous if he had gone in after the loss at home last time. Like that to me would have been more yeah. courageous. Oh, that'd yeah. be super hostile. I can't even <laughs> yeah. imagine him going in there at that time. So uh, it helps that he brought a win. You know, yeah. when he w- went winning in there. fixes everything, right? We it keep does. saying it. Which a question I had posed to the Twitter world and sadly nobody responded is like at what point do the fans forgive Peter Vermees or they stop saying Vermees out because I would assume if you know we get into the playoffs and we we make a good run in the playoffs is all forgiven or like what are your thoughts I think it's you know it's a variable thing right like it depends on the person but because there's people that have been chanting Vermees out since the beginning of time or saying it in online forums and things but I think getting into the playoffs isn't enough you got to get in. You got to go on a bit of a run. Ideally, it'd be nice to win a freaking trophy. The U.S. Open yeah. Cup's off the table for this season. So they uh, aren't going to win the supporter shield, obviously, because they're so far behind. But MLS Cup, you never know. If you're hot and you make the playoffs, you could go on a run. And uh, League's Cup is on the table. So League's Cup will happen this summer. And you never know. So I think if you win a trophy or you have at least a deep playoff run where you're competitive, that's that's going to be very helpful but there's still some people that will say it's not you know win it all or or they're or he's gone so i don't know i don't know either that's why i posed the question yeah i don't think ownership which we'll we'll talk about them in a bit i don't think they're going to let him go uh if he has like if they get to the playoffs they'll probably call it a success which i don't know that that's too low of a bar to me since nine teams get in now or at least if we're going to count the playoffs you can't count that game where eight and nine play each other to get in to play the one seed i think that's not good enough. Like if you're in that game, it's not good enough. A home playoff game, if they were to like somehow get a home playoff game, I don't even think that. I mean, it might statistically be possible, but it would probably take a historical run to get there. I wanted to bring up one more thing, though, Sheena, about this game before we move on is in the postgame presser, we were talking to Peter and uh, Daniel Sperry, the KC star, asked him some question about his belief in the team. And he said, quote, it's great. 
make make no mistake about it. There's a side of me that is vengeful for sure. I want to show everybody that we are that good. I know inside the locker room, inside the group, that we want to show everybody that we are that good. I know that there's a lot of doubt us going up to Seattle last weekend. Seattle was a really good team. They've been a really good team. We've beat them there before. It wasn't like we couldn't go up there and do it. We come home and that Minnesota team has been good for years. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> and they've always been steady. Okay, this quote's going way too long. But I want to just focus on the vengeful parties. Like, there's a part of me that's vengeful. I want to show everybody that we are that good yeah that's i mean i kind of want that from my coach right like i want him to go in there and be i'm gonna prove everybody wrong like you're chanting that i should be fired and i'm gonna show you why that's not the be. case yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, like liked that. It. I like that too i like passionate people and that's one of the things i've always liked about him as a coach is that his feelings i feel like are very apparent like you know on the field when he's pissed off about a call and I just, and, you know, he gives these passionate speeches and maybe it is because he's vengeful, but I feel like that's been lacking the first part of the season. And so maybe we're going to start seeing more of that side of him. And it has to be demoralizing for everybody involved when you're losing game after game and it's so horrendous. So maybe we're going to see more of that expressive Peter Vermees again. So I'm not mad about that. Like, I'm glad. And I think everybody feels that way when you feel like something is in jeopardy or people are doubting you. I think most people do want to prove everyone wrong and show show why you are the best person for, you know, the position and that you still are a good coach and you're still relevant to the team. Relevant? Is that what you said? (laughs) Relevant. Uh, Relevant. Relevant. Yeah. Oh my God. English is a challenging language, right, Sheena? My goodness. Yeah. I'm supposed to be relaxing on Mother's Day, not having my words. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. You know what? Before we talk the Houston game, I think, because that's going to bring us down. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to ask you a couple other questions real quick that nobody responded to me on Twitter. So just (laughs) rapid fire your thoughts on my questions. Okay. Do you think Jake Davis is the real deal or do you think it's been a little bit of beginner's luck with him being on the field replacing Zusim? I wouldn't necessarily call it beginner's luck because I do think he is a talented player and hopefully he has a place on this team for a long time to come. I don't know that right back is his position, but he did a good job of hustling back and covering. Uh, he's He'd make mistakes, but he'd do a pretty good job of covering up for those mistakes. There was that the play that led to the PK where he was the only defender that was back and he came all the way across the field and covered for that side. Now, ultimately, you know, the penalty kick still happened, but he was making the player work for it. He had some mistakes. He had some passes, some errant balls where they're giveaways where he probably shouldn't be making those passes, but you give him some more time. He's playing out of position. He really should be in the midfield, but they got a really talented midfield and it's going to be hard to get on. So I'm glad he's contributing. I will be interested to see if when the games aren't so congested, if they go right back to Zussi, but mm-hmm. I don't know. TBD. What about where do you think Caden Pierre fits in once he is healthy? Do you think he gets like if Zussi is the starter, he gets the the backup or do you think it's Jake Davis or is it a fight for whoever's playing better? Yeah, I think Caden Pierre is probably kicking himself right now that he pulled his hamstring in Dallas because sure. this would be his job right now, right? He's yeah. he has the skills and abilities. He's quick. He's he makes he's got a lot of effort in terms of getting back a lot like Davis in that way. I think Davis might have more of a motor on him in terms of like endurance 
He's another one of those Remy type guys that seems like he can just run for days. He could probably play 90 minutes every game and not take a take a match off. I don't know if KP has that in his tool bag or not, but he I think Caden has a chance to win that job. And Zeus, he's kind of showing chinks in the armor, right? He got hurt a bunch last year. He's mm-hmm. now been hurt a little bit this year. He he can't play forever, man. He's 36. So Caden's got to hopefully get his chance. Hopefully that hamstring will get better, but he's still listed as out. He's not even up to questionable yet on that injury report. So hopefully we see him soon. Yeah. You know, I love Zussi. He is one of my favorite players on the team, but I like him coming in at the end of the games. Like, I feel like that's what him and Roger should be doing and being more of like a mentor role, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know, he he adds a lot offensively that some of these other guys don't do yet. But at the same time, he I when he came in at the end of the game, I was like, why is he on the field right now? It was like maybe they had him out there to be a defensive winger, right? Because he was kind of subbed on for Russell there. But I thought he was just kind of loafing around like he wasn't pushing very hard. Now, he had just played 90 on Wednesday. He was coming off an injury. It screamed to me like we talk about on here all the time where Peter had a plan. I'm going to sub Zussi in late and get him some minutes and just. I don't know, like put Janice on, let him run around in, in that yeah. game because Zussi, like why risk it? Especially if he ends up picking up another injury. He just played 90 minutes. You're going to probably need him against LAFC on Wednesday midweek. Just let the man get some rest, you know, don't yeah, run him into the ground. It's weird. It's crazy to me that they don't use Janice more. Like what is the point of having him? He's a young guy. It feels it makes me sad for him. Like he doesn't get enough playing time. But my next question is, who is the starter when Leibold is healthy? I think I may have started to ask you this during the game last night and then something happened and we never finished the conversation. So where does he fit into the mix? Because he was questionable for this game. So that leads me to believe he's, he's going to be ready. Yeah, he's close. So once he's healthy, is he a backup or does he replace somebody who's currently on the field? Well, he is a left back. So it's him and Ndembe battling for that left back spot right now. Logan's been playing well, so yeah. I don't know that you bench him. But again, you have another multi-game week coming up with LA and St. Louis. So maybe he gets one of those games or part of one of those games. I mean, they had to play Roger at left back in Houston because they were so shorthanded at left backs yeah. uh, with Leibold still being out. But I think, you know, if he's making as much money as we, we think he's making, which the rumor was over 700K, we'll find out for sure in the coming maybe weeks, honestly. Uh, but then you got to think Leibold's the, the man. But why spend that U22 spot and pay a million-plus-dollar transfer fee for Ndembe if you don't plan on using him? So maybe it'll be open competition and the, the best man wins. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, and then one more question for you. Volader wasn't even on the bench yesterday. Do you think he's in the doghouse with Peter Vermees? Because I don't think he's injured. So, like, what's the deal with him? Yeah, I'm thinking he must be in the doghouse. And I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, he wasn't playing amazing, but he didn't play against Houston. They played Chris Rundolph and uh, Robert Castellanos at center back. Fontes and Rosero played tonight. So does he see fifth on the depth chart all of a sudden? He's another one of those U22 guys with a million-plus-dollar transfer fee to go get him. I'm not sure why he's in the doghouse. He was subbed off at the half against Montreal, but I don't think he was the problem. I think we complained the midfield didn't make effort on those plays. Plenty of defenders made mistakes. It wasn't just him. To me, it's been really unfair to Volader because he has barely played at left center back where he belongs. He mostly played covering on the right because there was no healthy people before Rosero showed up. Then he played left back, which is completely out of position for him. So I'm hoping he's not in the doghouse. And if he is, Peter, let him go start for SKC too. Maybe he's starting for them today and he's getting a rehab start. That would be nice. I would like to see him, you know, 
show that he can be a dynamic player and he should be pushing for the third center back spot in my eyes. I don't think Castellanos and Rindoff have showed me anything that puts them further up the depth chart so far. They're fine, but yeah. you know, nothing spectacular. So Okay, we can move on. I just needed right. somebody to answer those for me. I think let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk more for the glory, KC. All right. So we've alluded to it several times. We are back. Let's talk about that Houston game. Sporting Kansas City went to Houston in the middle of the week for the U.S. Open Cup. They were eliminated 1-0. That might seem like, oh, okay, well, it's close, right? They fought on, uh, well, Houston in about the 35th minute, something like that. Chase Gaspar was red carded and sent off in the match and and so they were playing 10 v 11 for a huge portion of the game and i even remember telling you sheena that i was like i'd much rather them play 10 v 11 and the upper man than have gotten a penalty kick on that because the foul happened just outside of the box turned out i was wrong turns out they needed that penalty (laughs) kick Uh, they created plenty of opportunities but they could not score uh houston had scored a goal early in the game kind of a fluky goal just like a, a ball was put towards the box castellanos who we were referring to just before the break made a bad clearance with his head and it kind of fell down to a Houston player who just like blasted it down across the ground into the bottom corner from way out, like way outside the box. And Pools Camp couldn't get to it. He has three defenders kind of in front of him screening his ability to see the play and that's the only goal. Uh, Kyrie had a shot where he was wide open, one-on-one with the goalkeeper, kind of laid on. He hit it off the post. Uh, Steven Afrifa got his first start, and he had a beautiful cross from Janice in the middle of the park in the first half where he was maybe at the seven, eight yards from the goal just outside the six-yard box, skied it over the over the crossbar. Don't know what happened there. I thought Afrifa actually played really well after that, but you know you got to finish your chances, especially when you're a striker. So they had plenty of opportunities. They had a header off the crossbar uh Vermees said something after the game like i can't i can't take the shots for them or i can't score the goals for them something to that effect so he was he was very uh displeased i think with his team's performance because they were all over them uh sheena just kind of initial thoughts on the houston skc open cup game oh and i'll give one last little caveat here 10 of 11 starters changed on wednesday from the prior sunday where they had beaten seattle Gotti kendo was the only holdover every other starter changed russell wasn't in the lineup polito they weren't even available to come into the game. I think that it it was really unfortunate. I kind of forgot that they had been down a man in that game for so long. It feels like an eternity since that Wednesday game happened, maybe because I'm still on the win high. But it, yeah, it was really disappointing that they couldn't capitalize on the fact that they had the additional player. And it, it's just such a missed opportunity I thought that Afrifa played well. I liked seeing him and Janice together. I think that maybe they're starting to build something. So that could be really exciting to see. And I feel like they'll probably... Is it the game on Wednesday? Is that just a regular game, midweek game? Or is that for like a special cup or something? That's just a regular season game at LAFC for a road game. Okay, Okay. that's a pretty big game because LAFC is a good team. So that'll be interesting. But while we're mentioning LAFC real quick, just taking this aside, do you think Sporting should put out their starters or should they save them for St. Louis? On I the don't weekend? know because St. Louis is a big game too. This I feel like you go half and half. Maybe you start with your starters and then take most of them off or as many as you can at halftime or, you know, 
somewhere in the last half, you bring most of them off. It feels like you want to give it your all on the St. Louis game, though, because there's already been such a rivalry um, and they've never played each other. So and St. Louis fans have been talking a lot of crap. So I'm already annoyed with them. Yeah. So uh, to me, and I don't know that Peter Vermees thinks like we do, like the fans, but to me, you would rather win against St. Louis. So you, to me, you'd put all your hands in on St. Louis, but LAFC is a really good team. And every point at this, you know, every game at this point matters because we have a deficit we need to recover from if we want to even get into the playoffs. So I, I really thought because our season had started so bad, we were maybe going to be putting all are all in on the cup, the open cup, but I guess not since we're out of it and they didn't use any of the starters except Kinda from the Seattle game. So I don't know. There was some good, some good light, um, like shining bright points in that game, but just the fact they couldn't capitalize. I, I just hope this isn't a tale of two teams where on the one hand, every other game you get a really good team, like a really good sporting team and you get a win. And then the next week you get a loss. Yeah, I kind of think that Peter will go all in on both games and risk maybe running his starters into the ground. I think that in this Houston situation this week, it was they played Sunday, then they played Wednesday, then they played Saturday. So you're playing three times yeah. in seven days. This is a little bit more traditional in that you're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So you got that extra day of rest. And I think, you know, that could make the difference. I, I think it's not that he was punting on the US Open Cup, but he knows that the regular season matters more and maybe he thinks he could get a result, especially once it was, you know, 10 to 11 <laughs> against uh, another team. But he didn't have a lot of weapons on the bench because he basically just had Shallowy was his main weapon on the bench. And so that's kind of I want to go back to that because I thought it was a little incoherent, frankly, from Peter in terms of the way he set this team up. They started in their 4-3-3. And they did look good, I thought. they. I was questioning, like, why is Johnny's playing on the right and not playing on the left? They were playing Shelton on left wing. And before the season, Peter's like, yeah, we've been playing Kyrie out of position at center forward. He's a right winger. And then he gets a chance to play him at right wing, and he puts him at left wing and puts Johnny's, who's a left winger, at right wing. But it was kind of working, not the Kyrie part, but the Johnny's part, because he was going up the side over and over, beating the defenders. I think he's actually the person who drew the red card, if I'm not mistaken. And then he is just beating his defender over and over, crossing the ball into the box into dangerous spots and like that that one that free from miss that I mentioned. But then when Peter started making all these subs and he starts rotating guys out, he told me after the game, I asked him like, hey, why did you put on another center back? You changed out, I forget who it was, Castellanos for Volitor maybe. And I was like, why not put on another attacking player and get less defensive and you kind of go for it? And he goes, well, actually, I got more offensive because I went into a 3-5-2. So he said that they're playing three center backs, Volader, Rindolf, and uh, Nemanja Radoya was basically dropping back and playing center back from defensive midfielder, which allowed him to push his fullbacks, Zussi and Espinoza, further up the field. And then he had two forwards. But I, I disagree because you were up a man and... Your fullbacks were already up the field. If you watch the play, even a center back was way up the field most of the time because Houston wasn't doing anything. They weren't getting out of their own end of the field at all. So I thought this was actually more defensive. And then your guys are not used to playing with only two forwards. It's like they didn't know where to be. 
You could have put Shallowy at left wing. You didn't. You played him at center forward. You could have put Janis at left wing because he stayed on. You didn't. You left him kind of as the right striker or whatever. It, it wasn't working at all. They looked ineffective. You had Ethan Bryant from SKC2 kind of playing wide left a little bit and then a little bit sort of left wing at times it looked like. But he's a central player. Play him in the middle. You're playing all these guys where they don't belong. And they had an easy option to go to Sebastian Cruz, who plays for SKC2. He was on the bench. He plays right wing. Move Johnny's to the left. Let Shallowy play in the middle. I don't know that he's a great striker, but you didn't have any other options at that point because Kyrie had gotten hurt and he had to be subbed off. So I think Peter kind of set himself up for failure. So I know you didn't want to talk too much about this Houston game. Shina, do you have any other thoughts about it, though, before we dump it and move on? No open cup for us <laughs> in 20. You know what Peter's doing? He said, hey, let's get one less competition on our schedule so we can focus on the league because we need to focus on every single point every single week. Well, let's hope it pays off and that he picked the right strategy by kind of eliminating us from the Open Cup. I, you know, just as you were talking through it, I was thinking back. I feel bad Sebastian Cruz didn't get on considering they had loaned him up. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. I feel like Ethan Bryant was kind of a non-factor in this game. So it turns out like maybe he isn't, not that he's not good, but he's not MLS quality yet. Like, cause he played really good against Tulsa, but I mean, he didn't play bad, but I just don't feel like he was the same force he was against Tulsa. Right. It's different levels, right? MLS yeah. team versus a fourth division team and I think Peter did him a disservice because he wasn't playing him in the middle of the park for a good chunk of that game. And Houston was bunkering because they're down a man. So they're just sitting in defensively. And the way you're set up, you don't have enough runners getting into the box. I don't know. It was just a lot of, felt like a lot of people standing around. I'm sure it was hot and yeah. humid and miserable in Houston. You know, they're, I think it had been terrible. storming all day. If I remember yeah. So right. I'm sure it was just like muggy and awful, but they, yeah. there was nobody running. And a lot of those guys probably weren't ready to run. Zussi, it was his first game back. So he was probably tired, but he ended up playing all 90 minutes. Espinosa played all 90 minutes. Uh, Nemanja Radoya, who had just come back off Andrew played all 90 minutes and Peter said well it's not like a real 90 because they weren't being ran end to end but they didn't have the energy to make runs to create attacking plays either and I think someone like Sebastian Cruz if any of y'all have watched any SKC2 games he's got a motor for days he's another one of those like Jake Davis type kids uh, Remy that can just run 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 he doesn't ever seem like he gets tired Benny almost never subs him off because he just goes goes and goes which I love the guys that can do that because if you I can couple too. that with any any skill at all, right? You're just going to be a weapon because you're putting yourself in, in dangerous spots. Although we used to say that about Shelton and, it, you know, he used to be able to run and run and it that Yeah, he like, doesn't do it anymore, does it? He seems lazy he sometimes, right? Yeah. He's like, well, he's loafing out there. Maybe he's hurt. Fight- Maybe, Maybe he's, he's been fighting off an injury and it just came to light in that game. So yeah. I don't know that we'll see him anytime soon. Not that I felt like we were going to really see him anyways. Cause yeah, it seemed like he was relegated to the bench. Like, and uh, yeah. the aduc- he picked up an adductor strain in that game. He was out for the, the next game and, uh, or he's actually technically questionable, but he wasn't, he didn't make it into the lineup. I wonder if at some point he'll go down to SKC too. <laughs> that'd be funny but i don't why take minutes from one of those guys that are developing to me Kyrie can sit the bench and be depth and be available in case there's an emergency where he needs to come in or kill off a game or something but no offense i don't need to see him playing he doesn't really kill off games because he just well, to I be don't... fair we haven't really been winning any games so <laughs> <laughs> that's true okay that's fair <laughs> yeah so now now that maybe uh sporting have figured out how to score goals well... 
You know, maybe he so- can be Polito's backup until Afrifa is fully ready. But I liked what, like you said, Afrifa, he I missed that goal. Him. But yeah, he looked slick. He didn't look lightning fast, but he looked quick. Like he, yeah. he could ex- very explosive and quick turns, slick with his feet. And so, yeah, I, I, there's some promise there. I wouldn't mind seeing him like if it, Polito on Wednesday played for like half the game and then they brought Afrifa in because I feel like the only way he's going to get better is if he gets the experience so and I'm not 100% sold on Polito still so I mean he's playing better but for as much as we're paying him I don't feel like he's playing on that caliber he doesn't look fully fit to me yet either because he looks pretty tired like he's having trouble going later in games and he probably should be getting subbed off but they just don't have another striker with Agata being hurt you know what I wouldn't be surprised to see is Sporting come out against LAFC with some backups starting the game like maybe half starters half backups and then seeing where they're at like 50 maybe at halftime or 60-ish minutes and then putting the guys on and going for it late. So maybe yeah. let Afrifa start and see if he can just go work and try to tire out LAFC a little bit and then take advantage with your starters at the end. We'll see. I we, Who knows? Yeah. Who All do right, you think's going to win that game on Wednesday? No, I mean, probably LAFC. I mean, how can I pick <laughs> against them? They're the they're the defending MLS Cup champs. They're the defending supporters show winners. They're in the CONCACAF Champions League mm-hmm. final, which could be wearing on them a little bit. They've been playing a bunch of extra games. They had to yeah. play two legs against Philly and, you know, all, several other matches at this point. So maybe they'll be tired. Maybe they'll go, oh, we're playing a terrible team in Sporting Kansas City. Let's put all our kids out there and then we can surprise them. But I, I don't feel like at this point you can still say Sporting is better. Like, I know it's only been two wins and it's like a small streak, but I would say the tides are at this point kind of turning a little bit for us. So I don't feel like you can really look at us and say, oh, we're playing the worst team. Technically, I think we're the second worst team, but I think our we're the Galaxy better. have played two less games than Sporting. They oh. are behind them in the standing, but they've played okay. two less games. So okay. I think so points per bad. game, Sporting's still the worst team, and hopefully LAFC will underestimate them. And, you know, it is rivalry week, so they're not worried about this game. They're probably worried about their actual rivalry games against the actual top opponents. Who so, is their rivalry? Is it LA I mean, Galaxy? The Galaxy, yeah. El Traffic. Oh. Go. Yeah, they always play that game. So oh. that said, that said, let's move off of this game and let's talk about that article in the Kansas City Star. If y'all didn't read it, I'm actually going to make a note to myself here to put this in the show notes and in the article for this. Go check it out. Sam McDowell for the KC Star interviewed Mike Illig, who is, I guess he's, I don't know if he's like, he's an owner, but he's like an owner's son. So I, he seems to have taken over. Maybe we can coincide all the bad things sporting have with Mike Illig taking over for his dad, Cliff. Uh, I don't I don't know Mike from anybody, so <laughs> he might be fine. But uh, they did an interview with him, and they did an interview with uh, President Jake Reed. Now, weirdly, they said Jake Reed was in the interview, but he has no quotes in the article, which is like, did he just sit there quietly and not say anything? Like, I don't, I don't understand. But <laughs> uh, Mike Illig, he, he basically, well, he said, that he had a couple of different quotes that I want to quote right here. He said, talking about Peter Vermees, quote, he doesn't have the tools in his toolbox. That's not a fair evaluation. Talking about how, hey, they paid $8 million for Polito and $4 million for Kenda, which is the first time the team has told us those numbers. They're usually kind of secretive about transfer fees. And then up to that point in Sporting's entire history, they'd only spent $4 million total on fees. And they spent $12 million on these two guys. 
So that's something. So he's saying, hey, he doesn't have these guys. It's not fair to evaluate him with them not having these guys. And now he's got these guys back and they're winning. And then he also gave another quote, quote, in the event Peter demonstrates he cannot deliver results with a full toolbox, we have no problem making a change there. And he knows that. So basically saying they'd be opening to firing Vermees if he can't win with these guys. But to me, Sheena, and you answer this question for me. Is that bar too low? Oh, if you get an injury to one of your stars, it's okay. You can go be the last place team in the league. Tons of teams lose stars. Now, granted, they don't lose two designated players, but tons of teams lose stars and don't go to the complete bottom of the standings. I think it's an interesting like philosophy, the way they're looking at it for the exact reason you just gave is that that could be a constant excuse because somebody is always probably going to be getting injured. I don't like, I don't know what the likelihood is you have everybody fully healthy, especially as the season goes on. I, it's interesting because when I read the article, I was just thinking they were referring to how they started the season with all the injuries, not that like it could continue to be a reason, like if you don't have everybody, because you're never going to have everybody at every point right. ready. So you're never going to have all your tools in your toolbox. Yeah. You have to make do. He, he, he bought the toolbox. He stocked it with tools. Peter's the one building the team. To me, yeah. it's not acceptable that you went to dead last like yeah. with with some some guys hurt everybody's dealing with injuries or most teams are dealing with injuries and they can't go 10 games without a win that's insane yeah i think if it had been any other team they probably would have gotten rid of him by now because we saw some other teams last week or maybe it was this week on monday um where they fired i think new york was one and maybe chicago they right. they and they had better records than us. So it just, it's crazy that they have so much faith in him. And, you know, maybe they're seeing the same thing Peter's seeing and that us, the fans are starting to see with the players. And I feel like, you know, I never really thought at this point they were going to get rid of him in this season unless things like took a turn for the worst. And I don't like the Tulsa, if they, they had lost in Tulsa, maybe that was a time I could see them maybe considering firing him. But I, I don't know, especially at this point, I, it's not going to happen before the end of the season. I don't know what scenario there would be, especially now that we know as long as there's injuries, he doesn't have his full toolbox. So yeah, I, I think tools, it's a whatever. Yeah, the, not all the tools in the toolbox. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, this will be an interesting discussion. Hopefully, sporting is good and we don't have to have this discussion. But if sporting do dip and they you know, clearly are going to miss the playoffs as the season goes on. We should revisit this because I think if they wait till the end of the season, if it does end up being a firing situation, the end of the season is too late. But we'll circle back on that. I'll leave that floating I, around in your yeah, head. Yeah, I totally agree with that because if it winds up this, I don't want to say it's a fluke, but if we just get on like a little bit of a hot streak and then we start to fizzle away again and we're starting to play bad, they honestly should consider finding a new coach before the end of this season. So the new coach has time, as much time as possible going before the next season starts to evaluate who or she, he or she wants to keep and, you know, figure out, you know, where they fit in with a new system. So I, yeah, if things get worse, I think they should 
fire him. I think he's okay right now, but there's still a lot of season left. And I would be shocked if things got worse, if they did something about it before the season ended. Yeah, we'll circle back. We'll talk more about that. One more quote from here I want to talk about are kind of a couple of quotes that are back to back here. They said that Mike Illig had been meeting with players. He had been pulling players aside, like kind of unscheduled meetings because, you know, he's the owner. He's got to figure out what's going on. And quote, Illig says, they're adamant that it's not about the guy who's at the helm. So the players are saying it's not about the guy. But then Sam McDowell asked him, well, are the players still confident in Peter? And he said, quote, hell yeah, hell yeah. This one, (laughs) twice in a row, Uh, this one thing I have to make sure of, right? If Peter lost the team, it doesn't matter. If they're not going to show up for the guy, then what the hell is the point in keeping him, end quote. So I thought that was interesting because I felt a little bit after that Montreal game that, man, has he lost the locker room? They looked like they quit on the field. They were dejected in the locker room there was there was that quote you referenced earlier from russell basically saying like i don't know how to fix it it's broken i don't know how to fix it and apparently uh whatever they did they fixed it (laughs) well apparently they went to some sort of retreat or had some sort of retreat i saw on twitter um, yeah between that game and the seattle game and they talk through some things. I don't remember who I saw it from on Twitter. It may have been Jimmy Mack, my, my, my colleague, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Mack. Yeah, Jimmy Mack was the one who I saw that from. So whatever happened at that retreat, it sounds like maybe they hashed out some of those issues. But I'm surprised because I also thought after the Montreal game, like they were so dejected. I, I mentioned earlier, Russell looked like in the post game, he was going to cry. You said in the locker room, Polito was just sitting and staring at the sky and sadness. So it's interesting because I don't know how you still have faith in your coach when you've lost so many games in a row. That seems like you, to me, I guess I've never played on this kind of level of any kind of sport, but it feels like... You, you guess you you've start... never played professional sports? <laughs> I guess I haven't. No, I know yeah. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, my three years of softball didn't... Uh, did prepare you me, for this. Did not take me to professional softball or college softball or high school even. But yeah, um, but it just feels like each game you lose it feels like not only would you start turning against your coach but you would start turning against other players like getting mad at the weak link of each game or something at least that's how I would maybe this is why I would never be a professional sport like player on top of the fact I don't have the skills but yeah, you think the athletic ability <laughs> might be part of the reason that you're not a professional no, it's athlete the, it's clearly the maturity level oh, okay okay All right. So speaking of having all your tools in your toolbox, this feels like a good transition to talk about old Alan Polito. So there's a rumor that came out this week uh, from a reporter, uh, Carrie Ruiz, uh, out of Mexico, that Chivas, Polito's former club, who we bought him from apparently $8 million, there had been much debate. Was it $9, $10 that we paid for this guy? Apparently it's 8 according to Mike Illick, or he's just thrown out numbers, uh, that they want Polito back. Now, Polito is out of contract after the season. We've talked about earlier in the year how uh, Vermees had offered him a new contract, or they've been negotiating a new contract. And according to Kerry Ruiz, he has not signed a new deal yet. And uh, Chivas, though, they do not want to wait until the winter to get him, because they wouldn't be able to get him until basically they're halfway through their 
season. Because in, in Liga Emekis, they, they play an Apertura and a Clausura. So they play like two half seasons. There's like a season in the, uh, the fall and then a season in the spring, essentially. And you can win the title in both seasons. And then there's like, you know, like an overall title sort of thing. So it's, it's split up a little weird. It's a little bit different. But they don't want to wait till the winter to get him. They want to get him right away. And they would be willing to pay Sporting Kansas City a transfer fee to get him. Now, they didn't say how much. I doubt they're going to recoup hardly any of that $8 million. To give you a point of reference, when Johnny Russell joined Sporting Kansas City, he was in this same situation where Sporting could sign a pre-contract with him for free, but he wouldn't come until the season he was playing for Darby County at the time, till their season ended. So he wouldn't come until the summer in MLS. This would be a little different. It'd be they could Chivas could sign a pre-contract with Polito in the summer, but he wouldn't come until the winter. Like he would still play out the rest of the season with Sporting. This is kind of what happened with Eric Palmer Brown. He signed a contract with Manchester City back in the day and left after the season was over, and he headed over there. Now Sheena, the fee that we paid for Russell was rumored to be about two hundred and eighty thousand dollars, so basically nothing. I don't know what they would be paying for Polito, but would you be willing to sell him? I'm honestly shocked they want him back. So badly because I don't feel like he's been playing to like a high enough standard to where they, they saw were. that Seattle goal. That was a slick striker goal. It was, but I mean, that's just one game. I would be okay with it. I've been saying all season since he's been back, like I haven't been overly impressed with him. He is getting progressively better, but I don't know. I There's a part of me that's like, we should take the money because what if this is as good as he gets? Like, then he's their problem, not ours. He's 32, which isn't old, but it's also not young for soccer. So I would be okay either way, I guess. And I did a bit of a breakdown uh, on the KC Soccer Journal. If you go to kcsoccerjournal.com, y'all can check it out. But essentially, my argument was it kind of depends, right? The summer is still not quite here. This would be happening when the transfer window opens up for them in the summer, which is probably around the beginning of June, give or take, but Sporting could stretch it out for a while because the transfer window is usually open in the summer for a while in these other leagues. So it's, do you want to, basically, I think if they sell him and they don't have a replacement in mind, they're giving up. Like they would be giving up on the season. And, you know, who knows? If Sporting are bad and don't win many more games between now and then, maybe you do sell him and you recoup some money because it's better to get something than get nothing for him. But if you're going to let Peter rebuild the team, Team. First off, do you trust Peter to rebuild the team? Because the, if you go sign another expensive striker, then you kind of have to believe in Vermees as the, the head of this ship for a long time. Because what if he messes that up and then you're saddled with a bad contract for a few years? I think Polito turned into looking kind of like a bad contract just because he wasn't healthy. But when he's healthy, he's been pretty good. And I'm sure. I'm still not convinced he's healthy right now, but he's looking better. He hit the post the other day had a pretty decent little pass here and there setting other people up. So he had that good run and turn that led to the shallowy goal. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a big depends for me too, depending on how these next few weeks and months go. Well, I think that Peter Vermees is the captain of the ship and his contract tells us that like ownership wants him to be the head coach for at least the next five or six seasons, whatever. The five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So he is the captain of the ship. And so. But if I think it sinks the rest of the year, do you I really want to spend a bunch of money on him? Because then you got a guy probably. I, when you sign a guy, it's probably three, four, five year contract. I think that he is going to be the captain of that ship. And I know that we just talked about an interview where they said they would reevaluate at any point or, you know, they would 
fire him or whatever, but I don't truly believe that. I don't, he's so intertwined with the team. Like we've talked about before. I just don't see a scenario. I mean, unless he totally screws this season up, like beyond, you know, our wildest imagination of what it's pretty screwed up right now, even though there's two wins in a row. Right. I know, but if it goes downhill again, like, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time believing they would let go of him. So I guess it's just figuring out, like, do you want Polito for another few years or are you going to start to think? Cause even if they signed him on another like three year contract, that's 35. Is it typical for strikers to be 35 and still playing? like at peak playing not not at their peak no i mean strikers often will peak in their like late 20s honestly so So we might have signed him at his peak and then he's been downhill yeah so you know now knowing that i i'm totally okay with it let him be their problem and i am curious to know what he wants like i wonder if he does want to go back to his old team like and i I know if he that does, I talk- think that matters, right? Like if he yeah. doesn't want to be there anymore and he thinks Peter's holding yeah. him back, I think Peter would probably sell him. I think it's going to come down to where they're at and then what, how much are they offering? If it's $280,000, I'm sorry, the, the Illigs are billionaires. Like that doesn't matter to them, right? It's not yeah. going to make a big deal. But if they're offering a few million bucks for a player they could have for free in a, you know, six months, that's, you can't not look at that. You can't not yeah. take you know, take a peek at that money. I'm okay with it regardless. Like I And you can get your boy Dom back. Dom will be available still. Yes. Oh, poor Dom. He's been posting on tw- uh not Twitter, but Instagram like pictures of his kids and he's like, I promised my kids I'd be back on the field. So I re- like I am rooting so hard for him to find a team. It- it's just crazy to me. There's no team that wants him. It's just blowing my mind in the world. There's so many teams. Granted, he probably is trying to stay in MLS because of his kids. But I really not saying he should come back to Kansas City. I wouldn't hate it like most of you who listen would. But I I don't know. I I want him to be on a team. He wasn't who I had in mind. I feel like I want to see where things go with Afrifa. Like I want us to continue courting him if we're considering this like a relationship. We're courting Afrifa. He's already signed. He's signed. I know, but I want him to to play more. I don't know. I I want us to continue whining and dining him and seeing where this goes, like what he can do for us. All right, Sheena, any more Sporting KC thoughts before we switch gears here? I We've gone I'm incredibly sorry. long on this I podcast. know. You know what? One person told us they love that the the long pods are back, and we took that to heart. We took it really to heart, my goodness, because we got more to go. <laughs> I know. I know. I think I'm good for now. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. We've traveled forward in time. The KC Current have now played their game, and unfortunately, they lost to the San Diego Wave two to nothing at home. They set a new attendance record. Uh, sad stat for you, Sheena. Every time they set a new attendance record as a club in the last two years or three years, I guess uh, they are o three and two. They have never won when they when they are the most attended games. Kind of a bummer. So two nothing goals. Uh, kind of an own goal from AD French. If not, Alex Morgan would have got the goal, but it pinged off the post and off her and in. And then the second goal, uh, CC Kaiser gave the ball away in her own box, which is mm-hmm. brutal, laid the back, the back pass off, and they just blasted it home. And Casey could never really get it going. What were your thoughts on the game? It, it was a positive that they broke an attendance record. That's awesome. I think the last time, well, besides their first home opener of this season, but I think it was against San Diego Wave last year, which we were at. But 
Yeah, so that's a positive, but the the game was a disaster. Uh, as it went on, I started paying less and less attention because it just it was bad football from Casey Current. They especially in the box, like they they just could not clear stuff today in the box and one of them led to a goal so that was a bummer I was honestly surprised Alex Morgan wasn't more involved that was one of the things probably five to ten minutes before she scored her goal she did have one chance that 80 French saved but prior to that she really wasn't doing anything so she was non-effective I would say So that was kind of surprising to me because I just think of her as constantly scoring. I mean, she created the goal, right? She took the shot that led to the own goal. So there's that. And she was involved like in terms of holding the play up or sometimes her and the other forwards would kind of rotate around a little bit and catch Casey out of their shape. You already mentioned the one thing. Franch was in goal. So she was replacing Cassie Miller. The other change was... They went to a back four instead of a back three. You think a back four sounds more defensive when you hear it instead of a back three, but a three is really a five when you're playing defense. So they played less center backs. Addison Merrick went to the bench. Uh, Mimi Larson and uh, Michelle Cooper played together up top, which we haven't seen too much of with CeCe Kaiser filling the other forward role. And it didn't really work. They had some chances. Uh, Kaiser got in really dangerous, kind of had a, all over the top where she beat her center back and the center back was kind of leaning on her when she took her shot, shot it right at the keeper. Larson had a chance of her own where it was a really good ball delivered over the top of all the defenders and she just scuffed it. It went like away from goal. Her shot was so far off and out for a goal kick. So they just couldn't seem to really put things together. It, it felt kind of like the last game where their really only hope was to hit on a counterattack. And once they got behind the counterattack, they evaporated, right? Because San Diego sat in and played good defense. They have last year's one of the best, well, straight, one of the best players in the league overall, uh, Naomi Germa, who's on the U.S. Women's National Team. And she did a really good job of shutting things down along with her other defensive partners. What I'm not really understanding is then late in the game, they went back to their back three slash back five. When they needed two goals, they put an extra center back on and took a forward off. It was super confusing because Kristen Hamilton was back. She was on the bench, said she was available for selection. And I was like, all right, we're going to get to see Hamilton. She'll probably be limited, only come on for the last few minutes. Then they didn't sub her on. You put on a defender when you're when you're needing two goals. I don't know if the coach is thinking maybe, oh, well, that allows Izzy Rodriguez and Haley Mace to get forward and kind of play those wingback positions way up the field. And you have your three center backs, but they were already kind of playing way up the field. This is kind of like my complaint about the Houston Dynamo game where three defenders doesn't make sense. You don't need to keep three people back. The other team isn't attacking. If you give up a goal, you give up a goal. But like you got to do something to get numbers in the box and try to create goals. And San Diego just packed it in. They had all 10 to 11 women behind the ball at most times. and just couldn't make anything happen. Yeah, the wave was, a con- especially when Casey Current was trying to score, it's like whoever had the ball, there was two to three San Diego wave players like surrounding them. So they just really, I mean, it was great defending by San Diego, I guess, but it just really didn't give Casey Curran any opportunity to even try to score. And can we talk about AD Franch and her hitting the post with her face? Like, Yeah, scary, right? Yeah, I was really nervous for her. I thought she might need to come out, but thankfully she was okay. It 
seemed like it took forever for the trainers to get on the field. Yeah, she was kind of like wiggling her jaw around because it looked like it was like a mouth kind of that hit the post. And I did see online and I kind of maybe was looking away at this moment that the ref delayed the trainers from coming on. So I don't know if that's accurate or not. But yeah, that was not a great look because it was seemed pretty clear to me that she had hit her head on the post in some way and they they stopped play right away. And then I'm not even really sure what happened on the restart because it should have been a corner kick or a goal kick. The ball went out and I couldn't tell if French touched it or not on the way. And then it was like a free kick from further up the field. Like it, there had been offside or something, but I don't think there was. It was odd. It was an odd sequence. Yeah, but yeah, it, glad she's hopefully it seems to be okay. At least yeah, she played the whole rest of the game. It feels like, I don't know if it was just Paramount not being in the right spot with the video camera. I don't know. Something was missing or NWSL, whoever controls the cameras for us to see the game. But a piece of that, something was missing, like, or maybe we just weren't paying super close attention. Yeah, we're, de- we're depressed because <laughs> that 2 nothing scoreline. You know, yeah. uh, m- mentioning Paramount and the cameras, there was a shout for a handball at one point, And it, they, if they reviewed it, it was the fastest review I've ever seen because the WEF, ref, the WEF, the ref <laughs> waved. I combined ref and wave into one word. <laughs> the ref waved to play on, like to throw the ball in almost immediately. And I don't know if it was or wasn't a handball. We never got a replay, which seems to be kind of a trend in these CBS Paramount broadcasts. So the, hopefully this is going to get better. VAR, when like every time a goal is scored, they're doing like a long review. And I'm like, what are they reviewing? San Diego definitely didn't do anything wrong there. Like they clearly yeah. scored that goal. Like why is it taking so long? I mean, they're adding it in stoppage time, but I don't know. Like let's, let's get on with it. It's, I have yet to see them overturn a goal in any of these Casey Kerner games. Admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of other NWSL games, but I'm not sure why for the long delays and bad, bad camera work. Maybe that's why VAR isn't turning anything over. Maybe there are no good angles. <laughs> There's no good replays. <laughs> Maybe the other thing I wanted to discuss is this is the second game in a row where Dabinia has been contained. She's really not been a factor. And I saw somebody on Twitter say they're using her in a different way. I didn't really know what that meant because I don't, I'm too casual of a KC Current fan, but maybe you have thoughts on that. Yeah, I was kind of perceiving it, and I could be wrong on this, is she's a number 10. She's an attacking midfielder. Think of uh, Benny Failhopper, if you want to use the Sporting KC comparison, and creates for everybody around her. But she was wide right a ton of the game. Now, sometimes she she kind of moves all over the place, frankly, in matches, which I think is fine. It's like you don't know how to defend her because you don't know where she's going to pop up, and she's so creative. And she's come right a little bit this season, but it seemed like a misuse of her. Like, I, I want her in the middle. I want her her doing her quick little moves and drawing people away from her. Maybe it was a tactical change. And if it was, it clearly did not come off. This team is, I don't feel like they're bent built to come from behind. I say that having, they came almost from behind last week when they were down three nothing. and they, they came to three, two, but that was, I think partially because the defense just wasn't doing a good job of stopping them from putting those balls over the top and like quick little through balls. And that was not on the table today. San Diego sat back and defended really well. And you just, you know, you can't get down by two goals. It's a it's a tough scoreline to recover from. I agree with that. It's just unfortunate because it felt like, you know, they started the season rough and then they had that few few game winning streak. And now it seems like they're not doing so hot. So they it feels like they are having an identity crisis of who they are right now. Yeah, they'll play again in the Challenge Cup on Wednesday, and it'll be interesting to see if they try some different things. I don't feel like you should run your starters into the ground. Maybe try some of these younger players, switch things up tactically, because if you'll remember the last Challenge Cup game, they pretty much threw their starters out there in an effort to 
get the ship right because they had gone zero and three at that point. So maybe that's what they need—a Challenge Cup game to recharge their batteries, pick up a, a, maybe a win. But they are two five and zero, so they have a three-game losing streak, a two-game winning streak, and a two-game losing streak. It's a, been a very odd season. They're back down to eleventh in the standings, so out of twelve teams, not great. Okay, uh, yeah, one of the, not great at all. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention, and this could have changed the game a little bit, and the ref just wasn't having it, is I don't even know the name of the defender, but there's a defender, Egan maybe, on San Diego who had two fouls while she was on a yellow. Either one of them, to me, could have been a yellow card. Uh, In particular, the one she had against Michelle Cooper where she went to ground and just went hard through her legs. I'm like, borderline, is that red? Should the VAR flag in and come for the review? Probably not because it wasn't like studs to the leg or anything, but it was a hard challenge. And I'm not sure in what world that's not yellow, but they don't review for second yellows unless, you know, the second yellow was given to send somebody off then they can review that. But I believe, I, I don't know, I'm going by MLS VAR rules. I don't know. We haven't seen a lot of VAR yet in the NWSL. Just long delays is all I've really seen from them so far. I feel like in general this season between... NWSL and MLS, the lack of cards to get from yellow to red, like it's just lacking. Now, granted, I saw a thing that yesterday in MLS, there was nine different red cards given out, but maybe it's just our games that we're watching where I'm with you. The Michelle Cooper one should have been another yellow and they should have been playing down a woman. So Right, just, and that, that could change the game, right? That definitely changes the game, although it didn't for sporting. Um, and That was with their backups, cap. though. That was with their backups. Still, and honestly, it yeah. still changed the game because it didn't make them run end-to-end and wear themselves down, yeah. and they had chances. They just didn't finish them. Yeah, so I... I don't know. That's a, I said it last week that like the awful officiating really just kind of turns me off from games. And I think that's part of what happened here was that that last 20 minutes, I really kind of tuned out of the game because I would kind of come in and out of the game, but I wasn't as engaged as I typically am. And I don't know. It's like, Casey Current wasn't doing anything. Calls weren't getting called properly. And I I just was like, "Eh, it doesn't feel like they're going to be able to recover from this. And it's like if they're not going to recover and they're not going to win and they have another game coming up on Wednesday, they should have took more of the starters out and let them rest. Like if you're not doing well, I have to think Caroline knew they weren't playing well, so I don't know why she didn't take more of the starters out. Yeah, I guess we will see on Wednesday if it's a maybe backup heavy lineup. They're still pretty depleted from injuries, so I don't know that they can go full backups. There are quite a few players that seem to have motors for days. Kate Delfava, CC Kaiser, that Lola Banta, they could probably play in every game and play most of the minutes and seem to be okay from it. So we'll see if that continues to be the case. Any other final thoughts on the current? I just had one question for you. So this is now Caroline's fourth game as the head coach, or is it? Fifth. Uh, she coached Fifth. that Challenge Cup game. So there's technically okay. three wins in the middle, but one was a Challenge Cup game. So it didn't count for the regular season standings. Okay. So overall, how do you feel she's doing so far as a head coach? Because she started hot, but it's kind of fading, sizzling out. Yeah, it's a two and two in regular season play. So it's it's hard to assess. You don't want to judge someone on such a little amount of time. She doesn't have a preseason. She didn't have any impact probably on the players that are signed. 
Uh, what I'm looking at from this team is a team that doesn't have a very good defense, and I thought that before the season started. And it's even worse with Elizabeth Ball hurt and having been injured since the game, opening game of the season. I don't know how much say the head coach has in fixing that. I didn't love her tactics to go from a back four to a back five, essentially. But I don't know. She Maybe she knows something I don't know in terms of what yeah. she was thinking there. May, I, I'd rather see you push Mace or Rodriguez that are wingbacks up to play forward. And Mace was playing winger for a little bit before they made another change. I, I'm just not sure. And I, I want to see Kristen Hamilton back. I feel like she's a difference maker. She's an underrated player. And why even have her on the bench if she's not really available to play? Because you needed an attacker and you didn't put an attacker on. So not sure what the insight is there. I think this team, though, needs to swing a big trade and go get themselves a center back. I don't know if there's a center back out there that's in surplus at another team or they could trade off. It's always tough because it's like these are women and these are their lives and they'd be moving across the country if they get traded. But to make this team better, they need better defense. And we got two rookies playing center back and they're, you know, at times they look really well and they're playing really well, but I don't, I don't, you know, they, they're going to have growing pains and we're living through those right now. So I don't know how much, but that, how much of that goes on Caroline, but some probably. I just want to ask you something, but why is it that it would be hard to trade a woman in the league because like their life is being affected? Guys get traded all the time. Like what is the difference? Yeah, it does seem to go worse in the NWSL. I don't know if it's just because the pay is lower. So the uprooting Um, of your life is a little harder. But whenever trades happen, like, I don't know if you remember this, but two seasons ago when the current didn't have a name yet, they were just Casey Woso. They went and swung a big trade and they sent Amy Rodriguez to North Carolina. And in mm -hmm. return, they brought back Kristen Hamilton, who I was mentioning, Haley Mace. And then uh, I think Caitlin Rowland, the backup goalkeeper who has since been sent back over to North Carolina. And there was a lot of hubbub about that because one, those two teams played each other immediately after the trade. And then they all played in the game, which was kind of weird, right? Because they had just switched teams. Yeah. And then the other being like, I think the same thing about them. They're kind of underpaid and it's so hard on them to uproot them like that. It turned out to be a really good trade by Hugh Williams in retrospect because those are really big integral pieces. And then Rodriguez retired after that season. She's not going to be a coach of the Utah Royals next year. So you got rid of an aging forward on a team that wasn't going to win anything. Anyways, you got some younger pieces that are now, you know, pretty good contributors. Hamilton's missed this whole season so far, but she was fantastic last year. And for the last chunk of that first season that they existed. So I don't know. I, it, it does feel weird because it's kind of part of sports, right? Like you could yeah. be traded, but at the same time, more of a hubbub seems to go down whenever these ladies get moved around the league. And like, think of um, poor Victoria Pickett. The current traded her to the Gotham and then they were about to play Gotham and then Gotham dealt her again. I think actually to North Carolina <laughs> to bring this all full circle here. So that's a lot of moving. And I mean, think about when we yeah. moved across the country, it's, it's hard. It uproots your life. you you lose all these friends and relationships that you have. And I mean, they're not gone, but it's, you're divided and separated and the, the stress of all that. So I think that's probably a part of all sports that we, that doesn't get a lot of attention in the bigger men's sports. And I think probably because they just make so much more money that it's like, yeah. Hey, you're rich. So 
this is what you signed up for versus some of these women are making $30,000, right? So it's just not very much money. It feels like in other sports, you don't see as many trades once the season gets started. It's not as common. Maybe I'm totally wrong on this. I feel like you're wrong. Yes. <laughs> I okay. feel like there's plenty of okay. trades. <laughs> I mean, no, there is, but like... I, I, different I, sports, right? Like the NFL, I don't feel like does as much trading yeah, as, other, as other leagues. NBA but like, does. Oh, the NBA all the time, baseball. Ball, yeah. common to have trades yeah so okay. i think it just depends mls maybe not as much trading going on right it's a you might trade one player for a draft pick or for money versus player for player trades in soccer are way less common because in the world you sell players you don't trade players for other players most of the time you can do player swaps is what they call them instead of like a, just a trade mm -hmm. uh but it's not as common around the world as it is in most of these american sports Okay. I think I always relate everything to NFL because that was the sport I was really into before soccer. So that's probably what I'm thinking is I don't really think of it in NFL per se. But yeah, it it's a bummer that things are finally going good for Sporting Kansas City. And now Casey Current is having a rough go. We cannot have good things in Kansas City soccer, Sheena. That's how it works. All right, y'all, it is time for the digital crawl. Sheena, I believe you have both of the first two items in the crawl, basically the whole crawl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so let's get the digital crawl started. And I'll start it with news about one of my favorite former Sporting Kansas City players, Jordi Cantilla. I don't know if anyone still remembers him, but I follow him on Instagram. And I want to say a few months ago, maybe it's been a lot longer than that, he got married. Well, he just became a father to an adorable baby boy, I think last week or yeah, it was last week. So congratulations to him. His wife's real cute. He's a cutie. So this kid's probably going to look like a model when he gets older. But that was really exciting news. I love when players become parents because I just... I don't know. It makes me happy. Um, yeah, they're they're young adults a lot of times, yeah. right? Because they're they're not as old as us, so they're they're going through <laughs> yeah. that phase of their life. And I know. you know that's something that uh, that's going to happen. It's interesting to see how they respond to it too, because sometimes it looks like players are like run down and tired from having kids, which you know it's it's tough having a baby yeah. around. Like, and others, it's like it motivates them, and it's like, oh, this is the thing I needed to do. I'm not just playing for myself. I'm playing for my whole family now. Yeah, I think of Remy. He has a a new born as well. Well, maybe the kid's like a few months old now, but I'm just like thinking, oh my gosh, how is he able to run so much and not be exhausted? Like the lack of sleep I would think would be exhausting, but then he still is out there hustling. So yeah, that was my first piece of news. And then my second is I saw this quote um, about the LA Galaxy from Chicharito. I said his name, right? Correct. Right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So there's this, and maybe we could link the article. It was a really interesting article, but you know, LA Galaxy is on a downward spiral, um, kind of like sporting has been. I mean, I feel like we're doing better than they are, but this article interviewed Chicharito and he had a quote that I thought maybe sporting Kansas City fans, maybe now Casey Current fans might be able to relate to. And so talking about the LA Galaxy, he said, we need so many things to change, starting from, I believe that more people need to come and speak to the media to face things. We're the same people speaking always. The Mexican striker added, that's a thing that needs to change too. You know, we are, we always speak in here, the same guys, 
So I think that should change in the beginning and then on the training ground and other stuff needs to change. So we have been talking about how there's really been no, I guess there was that interview we talked about earlier in the podcast, but overall, we haven't really heard from anybody in sporting outside of Peter Vermees. And it sounds like something similar is happening in LA. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that quote. That's interesting. And I don't know if this is just because uh, how American sports work, but the captain always talks and he is the captain of the team. Just like after every loss, poor Johnny Russell had to talk to us media in the locker room or he would come and get on the Zoom calls when they're on the road when there's nobody scoring goals or anything. They just put the captain on and, they, and it's kind of part of the job. So I don't know if I'm feeling any empathy for Mr. Javier Hernandez over here. I just feel like I understand when the same, like the head coach and the captain are saying the same things and the results aren't there. I understand why the fans want to hear from somebody else. Like I wanted to hear from somebody else, you know, before sporting kind of turned it around. Yeah, I don't know. I guess if we want to talk to somebody else, we can ask for them and we can get them. And I think that's probably true of the media in Los Angeles as well. But it's, I think it's part of the job, Chicharito. Step up, buddy. Maybe I'll have to go back and listen to that LA Galaxy podcast I really liked. With the oh, Corner intro. of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah pro- promo the in them. Oh, you're way too excited about that. <laughs> I know. That... That song at the beginning is just one of my favorite intro songs to a podcast ever. All right. Christian Leo hears you and he has some complaints. Uh, To wrap up the crawl here, I want to give you all the schedule for the week. If you're somehow still here this late in the podcast, uh, there is a lot of soccer coming up this week. The Kansas City Current are on the road for a Challenge Cup game at Racing Louisville on Wednesday, the 17th, 6.30 p.m. You can catch that on Paramount+. Plus. Sporting Kansas City are also on the road at LAFC on Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Uh, Central Time. It is not free. You got to go into Apple MLS Season Pass to catch that game. The current weirdly play Racing Louisville again on Saturday. This time it's a home game, though. So Racing Louisville will travel to Kansas City. That is 7 p.m. on Saturday night on Paramount+. Plus. And then finally, Sporting Kansas City are on the road at St. Louis City SC. Uh, Also Saturday, 8.30. So these games are going to overlap just a little bit, sort of maybe, but that game is on at 8.55 kickoff because it's on FS1. It's not on season pass. So everybody can see the very first meeting between Sporting KC and St. Louis. And I feel like I should sneak this in because I said earlier, I wish this was happening more. Sporting KC 2 are playing St. Louis City 2 on Sunday, the 21st at 5 p.m., Looks like it's probably on YouTube. It's not listed as an Apple TV game. So if you have made it this far, and I mean, there can't be any of you left. But if you did, um, be sure to subscribe to the (laughs) podcast. Tell all your Kansas City soccer friends. Uh, Just search for The Glory KC wherever you get your podcast. And you can give the show a five-star rating and review on Apple. I uh, What is it? Apple Podcasts? Uh, You'd think I know this by now. And Spotify. You can go in Spotify on the mobile app. Click the little three dots and give us those five stars. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Email us for the glory KC at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Play for 90. And Sheena, you want to add something? Yes. I, if you're listening, I thought it would be fun to preview the Sporting Kansas City St. Louis game. Chad is against it, but I wanted to see what you guys think. So if you are listening to this, Send send us a message on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and let us know if we should preview the 
game. It wouldn't be a long podcast, and we would only talk about that. Or the LA game that will have happened midweek. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we've already done an hour and a half <laughs> plus. I don't know. It feels it feels like too much, y'all. Anyways, I know. I let's know. get you out of here with Christian Leo with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Bye.